Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. We are a millennial movie movement. As always, I am your host, Becky Teller, and I will be leading the charge into this movement and into the millennial perspective of cinema. Thanks for coming and thanks for joining us. It has been a crazy ride so far, and I think in the midst of this pandemic and everything political that's going on in America right now, it has been really interesting in terms of how I'm picking the order of this show, which is the first couple were kind of pandemic-related, kind of family-related, and now, especially after the debate, you know, no matter which side you're on, I think we can all take a moment to just remember to be kind to each other. And I think that was kind of what I took away from that evening of debating uh, with our presidential candidates. And I think I think being kind is incredibly important, especially now when we don't really know what's going to happen next. And so in looking at the episodes, this one was my obvious pick to go next, especially feeling the way I'm feeling um, at the moment, which is just remembering, you know, to do what I can for others or just remembering, you know, to be kind to people around you because you don't know everybody's situation. So this week's film is Tangled, which is a Disney film. And if you're thinking this is going to be just two millennials talking about how much we love Disney or, you know, things like that, you would be right. Um, But we do talk about so much more than that, which is there is a feeling entangled of kindness and childlike wonder and just an overall good feeling that you get while you watch the movie. And we're going to go deeper into that. In this week's episode, I have my good friend Lindsay Deal, fellow scopophiliac and actress, and we are discussing Tangled, and this interview was recorded again in November of 2019, almost a year ago. And the fun thing about this episode is that we talk about Tangled, of course, but we also talk about Disney as a whole and what Disney does as a company, and I think that's really kind of an interesting conversation to have because on one hand, Disney is a huge conglomerate, and on the other hand, they are creating nostalgia, they are creating bright, colorful films, and just overall Disney magic. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to, and it's it's honestly true. Disney is creating something for all of us to remind us of, you know, kind of childhood lessons that we've learned that even as adults, we can still learn something from. So without further ado, my interview with Lindsay Deal about Tangled. Enjoy. Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. I have with me today my beautiful, lovely friend, Lindsay, uh, actress extraordinaire, choreographer, <laughs> director. Is there anything that you don't do? 
I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> uh, so she has taken time out of her busy schedule um, to see me and and to talk about uh, one of her faves, uh, which is Tangled. And so, first of all, tell me, what was it about this movie that made you say, yeah, this is the one I want to talk about? Well, it's a little corny, but it was my first date with my boyfriend Aww. of nine years. <laughs> so, it's super special uh, for that reason alone. Um, it's also the movie that um, I can watch over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. Like, I, there is no number. There's no guesstimate. Um, I've watched it so much and I am never bored of it <laughs> literally ever I could speak every line of it and I will watch it happily <laughs> so it's fresh at yes. all times all what times. You're <laughs> uh, so what would you say is the like shortest synopsis you could possibly give about this movie so there's this girl she got some magical hair <laughs> Um, so there's a king and queen and, um, they have a baby, but, um, when they're trying to have a baby and she's pregnant, she gets really sick and she drinks, uh, this, like, it's not soup. I don't know what it is. (laughs) She drinks this, like, broth from this magic flower. They, like, Uh boil down a flower and she drinks it. And then suddenly she's healthy and they have this beautiful princess, um, and she has this, like, long, flowing, beautiful golden hair that's magic. And um, and then there's this like old decrepit woman <laughs> that has been like like using the flower to stay young, and then when the flower is gone, she has no way to stay young anymore. So she steals the kid. It's really juicy for a Disney movie. <laughs> it's really spicy, definitely. Um, and then she she takes the baby, she raises it as her own, but mm-hmm. she uses she sings to the hair. <laughs> and it actually, as I'm describing it, sounds so wild. <laughs> Um, I would love to know what the people at Disney thought when they were pitching this. Right. They're like, and then she'll sing to the hair. Right. (laughs) Um, But she sings to her hair. She grows up, and that's how she stays young. Um, But she keeps her locked in this tower forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And the king and queen lose their baby. Very sad. Um, And every day, every year on her birthday, they, like, light up these lanterns Mm -hmm. um, in the sky, these floating lanterns, in hopes that she'll come back um, and find her way home. Fast forward. <laughs> Rapunzel's, uh, it's Rapunzel. It's Bryce. Spoilers. <laughs> the princess is Rapunzel. Um, and she grows up. It's her birthday. She notices that there's floating lights on her birthday, and she thinks they're meant for her. And they are. She was right. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> but she, Mother Gothel, the old decrepit woman I mentioned before, she doesn't let her go. Um, so instead, Rapunzel, for her birthday that year, asks for these, like, paints, but she really just asks for them so she'll leave, because it's, like, a (laughs) three-day trip for her to go get the paint. So, um, she leaves. Uh, then we meet, like, our knight in shining armor, (laughs) who's LOL, Flynn Rider. Right. Um, (laughs) Thief extraordinaire. Yeah, thief extraordinaire. He's, like, the... Kind of like the anti-prince. He's really... I mean, he's a thief. Um, is very dashing, but, like, just wants to steal and get rich. Right. So almost a Robin Hood, but a little more selfish. <laughs> um, and uh, he like steals a crown from the king and queen, mm-hmm. who have already lost enough. So I know, kind of, like, leave them alone. <laughs> kind of rude. <laughs> um, so steals this crown from um, the royal family. Uh, stumbles upon this tower, and then thinks 
he'll hide the crown there. And then hides the crown, um, thinks he's alone, but LOL, Pons is there with a frying pan. <laughs> and she knocks him out like a boss. <laughs> Which apparently is like the ultimate weapon, apparently, that we did not, we didn't know. We didn't know we needed it. No. <laughs> Here it is. And it's pretty great. And now it's iconic. Yes. You see every, all those girls, all those little frat girls on <laughs> at Halloween and the short little pink dresses, but they got a frying pan, yeah. so... You know, that means they're Rapunzel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she knocks him out. It's her first, actually, if you think about it, it's her first time ever seeing another human. Yeah. Really, because she's a baby when she is with her parents. So the only person she's seen is Mother Gothel. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what this creature <laughs> <laughs> has been like to her. Um, so she knocks him out. Uh he wakes up. They strike a bargain. Oh, she also has this delightful sidekick, <laughs> Pascal, a chameleon. <laughs> Which is such an, like, an obscure creature for her to have. Like, we've seen fish We've for Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. We've seen um, talking household appliances for Beauty and the Beast. But, like, a chameleon, even though, you know, we've seen some crazy things, seems a little obscure. Yeah, yeah. no, I totally agree. And he's very tiny. Yes. He proved himself a great... <laughs> companion yeah he really watches out for her mm-hmm. um and also his eyes are really wild he makes them go in all different yeah. directions <laughs> and he like really enjoys sticking his tongue in Flynn Rider's ear Ugh. which is also I don't know who pitched that idea but <laughs> I'm not mad about it right <laughs> it's just a little weird um so anyway he wakes up they strike a bargain uh, he'll take her to see the floating lights if she gives back the crown because mm-hmm. she hid it from him um, and then they go on this lovely adventure together, and that's our movie. Um, and, you know, they fall in love. Of course. Mother Gothel comes back. She's a little saucy. She tries to trick, uh, to trick Rapunzel into thinking that Flynn doesn't actually like her. How could he ever like her? Right. Um, she doesn't wear shoes. Oh, yeah. She takes you out of the running immediately. Yeah. It's, it's a different Disney movie. For sure. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, the typical formula from, like, Renaissance Disney that we're all very used to. Because um, even Princess and the Frog, which was in 2009, I think, um, still kind of followed that typical formula. Um, she's a little different. I love Tiana, too. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, she had her own job, her own set of priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, was a little different from Renaissance Disney. But I definitely think that Tangled is, like, its own thing because, like, she fits... In- no criteria. Right. Because she didn't set out looking for love. She set out looking for, you know, her dream. who she is, her, her dream. <laughs> um, love just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it was very confusing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. She has none of the particular, like, Disney check marks mm. that, like, all the princesses normally have. Right. In my opinion. No, yeah. Just because she's very, she's extremely awkward because <laughs> she has never seen other people <laughs> except for her uh, mother, yeah. who, you know, is super mentally abusive. Oh, yeah. I mean, manipulation. Yeah. AF. Yeah. <laughs> um, and her only friend is Pascal, a chameleon. Yes. <laughs> and she spends all day painting in her room or reading mm-hmm. books or making can't Like, like <laughs> that's her day. That's right. been her day for 18 years. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a lot of, like, sensation overload the second she goes outside. Oh, yeah. And then from there on out, the rest of the movie, everything she experiences is new. Right. Absolutely. I mean, even just from when she first leaves the tower and she's like 
touches grass for the first time. She has that really great song, like, you know, the grass, the trees, (laughs) whatever. Um, Like, you can just see that, like, she's just so into it. She's like, I'm getting to do all this new stuff. And, and, you know, getting to see all these new things. And, you know, I never thought that I'd be out of this tower. Yeah. The childlike wonder, for sure, (laughs) is, like, very charming to me. Yes. And, like, makes it very easy for me to watch. And it's so easy, I think, to root for her. Yeah. You, you just want, you know, you want everything to happen for her. Mm-hmm. All the things she wants, you want. Um, which I think when you watch the movie, it just makes it really easy, you know, to enjoy. Because I can't find anything about her that I'm like, Tunzel, she's annoying. <laughs> Some of the other Disney princesses, I'm like, come on. Ooh, spill the tea. Listen, we're really not here for Snow White. <laughs> or Sleeping Beauty, for that matter. Cinderella, I can get behind. But Aurora and Snow White. Mm. It's a lot for me. Well, and isn't there, like, people have made memes of, like, the classic, quote-unquote, classic Disney princesses. And it's, like, Aurora looking at Snow White, and it's like, you're not relevant anymore. (laughs) She's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, I I will appreciate, especially for Snow White, that, you know, that movie changed, I would say, cinema in Mm. general forever. Because that was the first, like, uh, animated film. Yes, film history. (laughs) That, you know, uh, it just, like, affected a lot of change for movies later. And, I mean, that's the movie, I think, that started it all for Disney. Mm -hmm. Um, That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know a ton about film history, but, boy, (laughs) I know some things about Disney. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, that's true. Uh, Snow White is one of the first, like, full-length animated animated features uh, Mm -hmm. so it kind of put Disney on the map yeah and I mean even just looking at how different Snow White is from Rapunzel who's a more modern Disney princess is Mm -hmm. just eons between them uh you know Snow White is she can cook and she can clean but she's not really self-sufficient she can't like really take care of herself yeah so she has seven little men do it for her I also, I feel a little bad because she is, I think she's supposed to be 12 or 13. She's Ugh. the baby of all the princesses. Yeah. And I think we also forget that, like, she's actually that young. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying this like she's a real person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just talking about this girl I know. Right. Um, but I respect what that movie did mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it jump-started this company. Mm-hmm. Um, Empire. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, but it... Did not age well. No, definitely <laughs> I don't not. Think. Definitely um, not. Uh, cooking and cleaning and mm-hmm. uh, doing seven little men's bidding is definitely not, <laughs> you know, what we're here for. And when, so one of the things that one of my professors had said to me about Snow White, which I thought was really interesting, is that Snow White is kind of the picture of 1940s, like what a woman should be. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't really wear a lot of makeup. She's mm-hmm. just naturally beautiful. She cooks and cleans. And the evil queen has like this full face makeup, like hourglass figure, mm-hmm. but she's supposed to be so mean. And like the difference between them from like a feminist standpoint is like, why do oh. we think the evil queen is so mean? Because she has opinions yeah. and an agenda. <laughs> She's got she a, a list of things charge. to do. <laughs> I, it's actually really funny because when you think about, you know, when you're little and you watch these movies, you automatically know who you like and who you don't like. Mm-hmm. But then as you, you know, get older and you go back to things, it's like, oh, my God. Right? <laughs> the evil queen's a boss. Oh, She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she has. And um, even I'll say this with Little Mermaid, too. Um, Ursula <sighs> is, like, the ultimate feminist queen yes. to me. Um 
when I directed Little Mermaid a couple years ago, um, the girl who was playing Ursula, I the first thing I said to her was, I was like, she is the ultimate, like, boss lady. She has a list of things that she's going to do. Mm-hmm. She will achieve what she's doing. Um, I was like, and nobody's going to get in her way. Exactly. Um, and a lot of the, her lines, especially in the movie and in the musical, too, are about, like, a woman doesn't know how precious her voice is until she's been silenced. Like, all the things she's oh, saying are about being being a girl. woman and what it means to have a voice. And she knew what she was doing when she decided to take somebody's voice away. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of stuff <laughs> that, like, I don't think we think about on the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you actually, like, dissect it. Yeah. It's, oh, Disney my God. gets real deep. It does. Actually, so it's interesting that you bring up Snow White and Ursula, uh, Evil Queen and Ursula, because those were the two that I related Mother Gothel to in terms of her, both, like, her character design and color scheme. Mm. Because she has, like, I mean, granted, I love that red dress that she wears, like, throughout the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Her color scheme is so different from, like, your quote-unquote, like, everyday Disney villains. Mm -hmm. Because their colors are always, like, purples, neon greens. Black. Black, reds. Mm -hmm. But so she has a little bit of that in that she has, like, a muted red dress. But all of her scenes where she's being, quote-unquote, evil are, like, blue. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, really interesting. But, yeah, so, but she has so much personality like Ursula. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, oh, I see, you know, beautiful young woman. And look, there's you. Like, it's so sassy. I really, I, Mother Gothel is, she's truly awful, but, like, I crack up at some of the stuff yeah. she says because I'm like, oh, hell off me. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mother, as you know, tomorrow is a very big day. Look in that mirror. You know what I see? I see a strong, confident, beautiful young lady. <laughs> oh, look, you're here too. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Stop taking everything really so funny. seriously. She's also, like, a lot of her affect, it's Donna Murphy and she's, you know, mm-hmm. a star. But she also it reminds me a lot of, like, you know, Bette Midler or mm. um, Barbara Streisand. Like, yes. it has, like, those kind of vibes to it where mm-hmm. it, she's just fabulous. Yeah. Um, and everything is about her. Yes. And, which is also, like, what makes her so terrible is, like, it has to be about her. And it's right. always about her. It's never been about Rapunzel. Um, but she's awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even her song like, yes. is, like, it's wild to yeah. me. Because <laughs> it's all, like, she's, like, slowly picking apart. Rapunzel, but mm-hmm. in a way where it's like, no, 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 I love you. I'm right. just here to help you. <laughs> These are all the things that are wrong with you. Oh, but I love you so much. <laughs> it's, oh my, it's so smart. Yeah. No, and it's absolutely smart. And one of the things when I was doing a little bit of research about this movie was the directors had said, you know, Mother Gothel in this movie doesn't have powers. She's not a witch. She's a woman mm-hmm. who stumbled upon like a magical item. And so her really her only superpower is that she is a super manipulator. Mm-hmm. So she, even in her song, she kind of flips the script on what, you know, mothers should sing about, which is like, you can do anything you want, blah, 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 to you can't do this, mm-hmm. but I love you and I'm going to protect you. But in like a really kind of creepy way when you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you notice too, uh, when you watch the scene, a lot of times she's not looking Rapunzel in the eyes. She's like singing to the hair. Right. Which is like so <laughs> creepy <laughs> and so strange. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, no, she really t- like flips the script and, you know, uses the things that like 
would be comforting if you didn't actually know what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually just turns them into, like, finding all of Rapunzel's insecurities. Right. Picking at them and saying, <laughs> oh, but I'm here to help you. Right. Let Mother take care of it. Right. You don't have to go outside because I will go outside so that you for don't have you. to. Yeah. For you. Right. Even though it's really like, i got to get out of this tower. She's driving me nuts. I'm going to go on a three-day trek. <laughs> like, but also, the moments where, because she keeps it really light generally mm-hmm. throughout the majority of the movie, especially in the beginning. Like, it's very, um, I don't know the word I want to use. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's very comedic and, like, it, it, there's a lot of, like, joking. Lighthearted. Yeah. Maybe. But then the moment where she, like, it stops, and she's like, Rapunzel, don't ever ask to leave this tower again. And right. like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> she's not kidding. No. And then, like, that's the moment where she's, like, actually a little terrifying. Right. Um, which I thought was done really well. Yeah. Um, to make her actually frightening, mm-hmm. but also really funny. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how she, it, there's definitely, like, a flip that goes off in her when she's, like, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. Because you see that kind of change on her face of like, oh, I'm lighthearted and like mother knows best, whatever. And then when she doesn't get her way, she's like, you're going to do what I want you to do. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's very apparent. And like when she sees Rapunzel in the woods with Flynn and is like, oh, Rapunzel knows best. Mm -hmm. There's still that kind of hint of comedy to it, but you can tell like she means business. Mm -hmm. She's not having it. Oh, yeah. I also thought it was really interesting that instead of choosing to just, like, try and take Rapunzel by force, because I'm sure if she, like, um, you know, does some of the stuff that she did, that she does later in the movie, right. if she pulled that then, like, Rapunzel would have been home right away. Mm-hmm. But she chooses to, like, mess with her head mm-hmm. and then leave. Yeah. And then let her own insecurities kind of, like, do the work for her. Yeah. Which, like... It's so, uh, <laughs> like for Disney, movie, yeah. Like it's, it's real dark, yeah. Because she, she lets her go. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, okay, you know best. Fine. Um, here's the crown, by right. the way. So if he sees this, let's see how long he stays with you. Right? Why would he like you? Yeah. And then she's like, "Well, don't come crying to me," and then leaves. Yeah. Well, and it's still keeping up the appearance that she's been doing for the last eighteen years of like, "I'm your mother. I know what's best." oh, so you need to make this mistake on your own. That's fine, but don't come crying to me, even though she comes back later looking like the hero. Right. There's a lot of mind play with Mother (laughs) Gothel. I also love that she uses guilt a lot. Mm. Like, oh, now I'm the bad guy. Look what you did. You made me the bad guy. Yeah, I hate being the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Always trying to continually have that, like, goodness... Mm-hmm. perceived about her. Yeah, well, and then after after all I've done for you, this is how you repay me. You mm-hmm. run away with a man. <laughs> yeah. It, she's a wild character that I just, like, <laughs> sometimes I'm, like, in shock that Disney made. Yeah. That put, they put into a children's movie. Because um, she's manipulative in a way that is very real. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other villains, like, they have magic. They have powers. Or mm-hmm. they, you know, their goals are very um, singular. Yeah. Um, in a way that's, like, not real life scary, if that right. makes sense. Where, like, Mother Gothel is somebody that could totally be real. Like, that, that is real. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there are people that have their own Mother Gothels in their life that, you know, manipulate them and make them feel guilt and, you know, use 
other people's insecurities to get what they want. And that's so much scarier. Yeah. Especially, I think, for adults who, you know, when they watch the movie can actually I, I have the tools to identify that. Yeah. Um, that's so much scarier than, you know, a wicked witch with some powers, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such, and looking, I haven't watched it in a couple of years. So watching it yesterday, it was like, oh, wow, like, I'm noticing a lot more things that I hadn't really thought about in, like, a critical mind. Because I think a lot of people kind of write off Disney of, like, oh, Disney isn't, like, sophisticated or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But it, like, it really has a lot of nuances. And, I mean, color theory alone, Mm -hmm. they are, they've, they've narrowed it down to a science, basically. They have us trained to know when we see this, these few colors, like, that's what, this scene is supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, with the villains, reds, purples, greens, it's like, okay, this is a bad guy and we know it. Um, which I think is one of the reasons why nobody saw, like, Hans coming in Frozen. <laughs> Listen, Becky, I will never... <laughs> I gasped. I and I knew a, a couple things about Frozen before I saw it. You know, I knew the song Let It Go. I knew mm-hmm. she was going to build something. I still cried, of course, <laughs> but... Um, I, like, knew Hans was a character, but I knew Kristoff was supposed to be the love interest. So in my brain, I was trying to justify all the different ways that everybody would be happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe he ends up with Elsa. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, I was trying to justify everything I could so that the four of them by the end of the movie would be happy. Right. And then when he turned around and was like, oh, Anna, <laughs> if only there's someone out there who loved you, I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> And I think everybody really was, because he's, he's kind of the archetype of Prince Charming. He mm-hmm. wears all white. He's very kind of like Cinderella, Prince Charming-esque. Oh, yeah. All white, brown hair, like well, clean. It, he was voiced by Santino Fantana, oh who played Prince Charming on Broadway. So smooth. Who is the most like regal, has the most buttery smooth <laughs> voice, like yes. is so charming. Yes. Um, that like his voice just oozes like, mm-hmm. you know, royalty. <laughs> so especially like when, it, when he talks and that, the beginning of the movie and he listens to all of Anna's like fears and Mm -hmm. um you know and then says you know I would never shut you out and they have that beautiful duet (laughs) um you root for him too you're like oh yeah yeah, he's cute he wants to help he's here to help Arendelle yeah you know he wants to save Anna and then you're conflicted because Christoph and Anna have so much in common and they click really well together and you're like oh no what about Hans and then he just ends up being a dick I, we saw that movie, I guess a little later when it came out, because we were one of, like, four people in the theater, and I think the only other, they were adults, like, it was only adults in the theater, (laughs) there were no children, and there was a guy that was, like, way in back of us, and he was like, what? (laughs) Like, literally, like, I heard his popcorn drop, and he was like, what? (laughs) Like, four grown adults. Yeah. (laughs) And And everybody was upset. I just remember being in the theater, and just, like, uh, the whole theater just going, (gasps) like, oh my god, because she's already, like, kind of at death's door, and it's like, yeah. No, and he was really cutthroat. He was like, goodbye. And then dumps water on the fire. Oh. Takes off the, he makes no effort to make her comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, Rubs it in. Yeah. She's like, well, you'll never stop Elsa. And he's like, oh, I already have. <laughs> Locks the door. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, really rubs it in. Yeah. Well, it makes me wonder, you know, how much of thinking about Hans later on, how much of that came from Mother Gothel? Because he also doesn't have powers. He's just 
figures out a way to manipulate the situation to go into his favor. He also really doesn't have, like, royal power. Like, he's mm-hmm. a prince, but he talks about having, you know, 12 older brothers. Right. He's the last in line. So as far as, like, any staying power or, like, over country or whatever it is, like, he's got none of that. He has no say. He <laughs> he really only has his brain. Yeah. And, like, maybe a little bit of money. A, a little bit of money, yeah. Not much. Still a prince, yeah. like— it's still fine. Still getting a cut of the taxes, but not nearly as much as, like, yeah. other, other brothers. <laughs> but it's not like he has say over what happens in his country. Right. He has, you know, probably including the king, 13 people in front of him. <laughs> so he really has no say. No. Like, he can't influence Arendelle in that way. So mm. he only really has his charm and yeah. his brain. Yeah. And he picks, <laughs> he picks them apart. <laughs> oh, God. I mean... Yeah, so I think people, you know, will write off Disney as like, oh, they're just kids' movies. And it's like, Disney's doing something. Well, when you asked me, you know, what's my favorite movie, I hesitated saying Tangled. Because I was like, (laughs) I'm going to sound real stupid. No. (laughs) But when I thought about it, I was like, I, especially Disney, I I do have such a soft place in my heart for them. Um, But they're the movies that I, that I take with me. Um, You know, when I moved away to uh, college, like, I took a couple movies with me and, like, Tangled and Brave were two of them. Um, And I would watch them all the time. And it was something that gave me comfort when I was, you know, in a place that I was unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. It it was something that really comforted me. Um, And even, again, I studied abroad in Europe and I would watch Tangled all the time. It was just something that gave me comfort (laughs) when I felt unsure or, like, you know, homesick. Um, but I also think there's things in, you know, Disney, all the morals that are within the story and, you know, the little lessons that are within everything, like they're for everybody. They're not just Mm -hmm. for kids. And a lot of times, like, because Disney is so incredibly smart, (laughs) there's stuff in there for adults that kids will never pick up on. Sure. The princesses, the songs. Okay. That's for the kids. Yeah. Listen to all the things in between. It's for the adults. (laughs) It really is. Oh, I mean, even Disney plus, like who's buying a Disney plus account? (laughs) Adults. People are age. (laughs) It's not for the kids. No, no, definitely not. It's for me. (laughs) Specifically for you. Um, So I have notes, which has been a theme of this podcast. I take notes. I love it. Um, Have you... My first note is this animation is so beautiful, which I think says a lot about hair. (laughs) Her hair is unreal. Also... Disney has, I mean, obviously, animation period has come so far, but Disney's in particular. You can see every, like, freckle on their oh, face. Every, like, if there's, like, minute lines. Like, the king and queen are obviously still beautiful, but you can tell they're older. Yeah. But they look so regal. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is so incredibly detailed like every strand of her hair oh my gosh um I forgot I did read it it took them forever to make it yeah well there's like (laughs) thousands and thousands of strands on her oh my gosh on her head oh my gosh well it's like so I when I did a little bit of research about the hair because I knew that was such like a big important part Mm -hmm. of this film um one of the videos that I had found on YouTube about it was they got the um there was a girl working on her PhD in computer computer animation, but her specialty was um, 3D hair design. So they brought her onto the team as, like, someone to help out. But so one of the things that she had said was that, like, the normal human has, like, 100,000 strands of hair on her head approximately. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to animate all of that 
is too much. You can't do it. Yeah. Um, so they did like 170 strands that they would personally animate to move in a certain way. And then the strands that are next to that automatically moved similarly. Which like, <clears throat> there's like math involved and I'm like, ugh. All that for hair. All that for (laughs) hair. Well, and the directors were saying that they came into the room to, like, pitch what was going to happen into the movie to the animators. And they were like, oh, the hair is going to have to get wet. Oh, she's going to use the hair as a bullwhip. Oh, she's going to tie people up. (laughs) Yes, she does. Oh, she's going to do this. The hair is, like, its own thing. Its own character. (laughs) All the animators were like, um, (laughs) how the hell are we going to do that? And it was just years of trying to figure it out. You can actually look online and there's, like deleted scenes or bloopers of hair simulations oh, gone oh, wrong. Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> her hair is just, like, sticking out. It's like spaghetti on her head, but it, like, explodes upwards or, like, wraps around her body in, like, strange, yeah. not normal way. Yeah. No, it really is fascinating to me. Yeah. All the time and effort that, like, besides everything else that yeah. it takes to create a full-length feature film, mm-hmm. We had to spend all the time on the hair. <laughs> yeah. Years. Yeah. I mean, they, so the video I saw was posted in like 2012 or something, mm-hmm. but she was like, five years ago, I was working on my PhD and they brought me in and it's like, five years ago? When was that? The early 2000s? Right. Like, for me, animated films are so difficult to wrap my head around because it's literally years and years of, you know, is this going to work? We did this a year ago. Hope it still works. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Just waiting for the final end project. Yeah. That boggles my mind. <laughs> it's, especially because it's something so far removed from, like, what I can understand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely fascinating to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, on a personal note, have you personally ever done something that your parents were like, no, you can't do that. Oh, baby, of course. <laughs> Date Bill. <laughs> um, Bill's my boyfriend. <laughs> Who I love dearly. And my parents love also. Right. <laughs> so there's no confusion. <laughs> um, but at first it was like, no, he's no good for you. That- it wasn't like a no good for you. It's... My boyfriend is uh, a little older than I am. Um, oh, just a tad. He's he's five years older than I am, which, uh, you know, as adults, like, he's, I'm 24, he's 29, like, it's not a big deal. No. But when we started dating, I think I was 16 or 17, and right. he was, like, 20 or 21, something like that. Which um, seems cool. So that yeah. seems very large. <laughs> yeah. And my parents were very concerned. Right. Um, and, and, you know, absolutely, they were, you know, <laughs> justified in that feeling. Um. But yeah, so when I when he first started hanging around, <laughs> my mom was like, "I don't know what you think is happening, but <laughs> like, you sure, girl?" <laughs> yeah, but she was like, "It's but it's not." And I was like, "Okay, no, he's just my friend. We're just friends. <laughs> We've been just friends for eight years now. <laughs> it's good to have a friend, like <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's such a nice friend. <laughs> um, but I I also used to say to them, um, you know." when I was really adamant that, you know, I wanted to date him, um, which, by the way, had been doing. Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't know. Right. Um, I'm sure they had an idea also. Parents are right. not stupid. Um, but I was like, would you rather me date someone like Bill? And, you know, he didn't have tattoos. He didn't, like, he does not drink to this day, really. Straight edge. Yeah. He's a straight-laced <laughs> boy. Um, I, you know, he opens the door for me. He's a gentleman. You mm-hmm. know, he 
genuinely cares about what I do. You know, I'm an actor. That's not an easy thing to swallow for a lot of people. Mm. Our lives are pretty weird. Um, and like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. or any, for any freelancer, like it's a weird, demanding thing. Um, mm-hmm. And he's the most supportive person I've ever met. Um, I was like, would you rather me date somebody like that? And he's just a little older. Or would you rather me date somebody my own age who, you know, parties like a fiend Immature. Yeah, immature, doesn't care about where I am or, you Mm -hmm. know, um, doesn't value me or my time. Or that is, you know, too into you or, like, always wants to know where you are or, oh, why are you being an actress? Yeah. Well, and, like, that's the other thing, too. I mean, when you're in high school and you're acting in plays and stuff and you have to kiss a boy, it's a huge deal. Um, (laughs) And, you know, he... He had his moments, but <laughs> we grew together. Um, but, you know, he was always super supportive. Like, yeah, whatever you need to do. Oh, it's a scene. Like, there was never, I never had to explain or justify why I was doing what I was doing. Um, and also, like, I went away to college. There was no, I think they were afraid that, like, I was just going to drop all the things I wanted to do in my dreams. And, right. you know, where I always wanted to go to school. Like, they were afraid I was just going to not do any of that. Just mm-hmm. stay with him. Um but I didn't. I went away to school, and um, he came and visited a bunch of weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, he also loved where I went to school. We like <laughs> he loves the town I went to school in, Glenside. <laughs> um, and we made our own traditions while we were up there. He would come over for you know the weekend. He'd stay in my apartment. We'd you know go grab dinner. We had like our own routine up there too. But he was awesome. Um, so it all worked out. But yeah. that was definitely something that. You know, my parents were like, this isn't happening. And I was like, well, (laughs) yeah, it is. (laughs) My follow-up question was, did you feel guilty? But it doesn't sound like you did. Well, no, I definitely did. There was, was, in the beginning of our relationship, oh boy, there was some sneaking around (laughs) that I felt pretty guilty about. And I remember my dad asked me one day, because Bill used to, (laughs) oh God, Bill used to pick me up from school when I was in high school, and um this is how badly we just wanted to see each other and spend time together. He would pick me up from school, um, and then uh, we'd drive to Wawa. Mm-hmm. We would get, like, a coffee or something at Wawa, and then we'd sit in the Wawa parking lot for maybe a half hour, 45 <laughs> minutes, and then he would drop me off, like, near my house. Like, around the block or something? Yes. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. <laughs> and then I would walk home <laughs> so nobody saw anything. Uh, but my dad one day, like, I was come, always coming home with this Wawa coffee. And he, um, and keep in mind, my school, my house, and my and the Wawa are on one street. Right. In a row. Mm-hmm. Like, could feasibly walk there. Right. Um, is not a stretch. And also I did, you know, with my friends at other times. So I would just pretend that this happened all the time. Right. Way more than it actually did. And my dad one day was like, is Bill taking you to Wawa and getting you coffee? <laughs> Is that why you're always coming home with coffee? And I remember my heart dropped <laughs> to my stomach. But, like, cool as a cucumber, I was like, no. Why are you asking me this? I don't. What? Are you kidding me? Dad, right. I work so hard. I'm after school every day for all my clubs. Right. Are you kidding me? And and then he, like, was like, okay. I was like, yes. <laughs> I thought I was real smooth. I'm, I'm sure deep down he knows lying. Yeah, well, and it's so funny. Parents just know. I mean, yeah. like you said, they just for some. There's something intuitive about when you have a child that, like, you just yeah. somehow just know. I was also far better behaved than any of my sisters. <laughs> I'm the youngest of four, um, and I was far better behaved. So I think my dad was picking and choosing his battles. Right. If I was going to get coffee with a boy, 
mm-hmm. and coming right home. Like, <laughs> I think, like, because it, it was true. I didn't, I don't think I drank until college. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, a, I would have to say, I was a pretty good kid. And right. I said that to my mom too. I was like, you know what, mom? I've never tried a drug. I didn't drink <laughs> <laughs> really until I was of age. I was right. like, you know, I did all the, I have, was an honor student, you know. Yeah. I did all the things. I was like, it could be a lot worse for you. <laughs> I remember telling her that a lot. Actually, I think I told her that last week. <laughs> I was like, you know, I could be a lot worse. Yeah. I don't think you're grateful. No, it's so true. And I mean, even going back to the movie, like Rapunzel is, you know, she's the good girl. Mm-hmm. She doesn't leave the tower, even though she literally has hair that she could climb down anytime she wanted to, if mom's not there mm-hmm. to go out into the world. And I don't know if that's just, she's, just so ingrained in the fact that she needs to stay in the tower Mm -hmm. or she's just that good of a girl right to be like no I can't mom said no (laughs) I I think it's like the fear Mm -hmm. for sure because she thinks about it all the time Mm -hmm. um because you know Pascal kind (laughs) of like communicates with her but Mm -hmm. I'm sure most of their communication is like in her own head right (laughs) and she's like no we're not going down there today she clearly wants to. Yeah. I also loved her, like, breakdown when she gets yes. outside the tower. And she's like, this is the best day of my life. I am humiliated. <laughs> she's going to be so mad. I can't. This is the best day. <laughs> that, I think, is so funny. Mother would be so furious. But that's okay. I mean, what she doesn't know won't kill her, right? Oh, my gosh. This would kill her. horrible daughter. I'm going back. I am never going back! I mean, like, I, am I was talking to my mom about it the other day, because she was watching it, like, at the gym, because mm-hmm. she, she hooked on to that Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yeah, I was watching it, and, like, that panic attack that she has after leaving, I think, is, because I, I was saying she's really well-adjusted for someone who has been in a tower for 18 yeah. years and hasn't seen another person, and my mom was like, well, I don't know about that. She's like, that total breakdown on the, on the way when she yeah. first leaves the tower. Yeah. I, and I feel like, I mean, it's, it's silly, but also mm-hmm. like the, the base of what actually causes her panic attack is very real for like anybody leaving somewhere they're very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, I remember when I went away to college and I watched it, like I also had those feelings where I was like, this is the best day of my life. I am free, baby. And then also like, oh my God, I just want to go home. Right. Um, yeah, it's possible to feel both of those things mm-hmm. um, that they can like live together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had wrote down that um, the lantern scene with, yeah, exactly. I she just made this at my wedding. <laughs> she just had this face of like, oh, oh yes, please. They're just, I think like, from a photography like mm. perspective, like just visually, they are so beautiful to look so at. Pleasing, like the colors and the way everything glows and the way they like colored the sky mm-hmm. is just beautiful. <laughs> well, and it's warm tones at night, which I mm-hmm. think for for humans are just like yes, give me warm tones at night, campfires, lanterns, you know, all those things, mm-hmm. string lights, even. Yes, <laughs> I love a good and, string oh, light. Oh boy, oh boy, my aesthetic to a T. <laughs> But even, like, in Disney World, they have, like, in Magic Kingdom, one section that's, like, just Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not anything. Nothing's in it. There's a bathroom in it. Right. Is, is that the bathroom I use when I'm at Magic Kingdom? <laughs> you better bet. You better believe it is. <laughs> but, so, there's this, you know, this gorgeous lantern scene. 
which I can't even imagine, like, hair aside, how much work that took. Yeah. And it reminds me of the foundations that they, I would think, from an outside perspective, who didn't research this part, that that <laughs> is kind of a, a blueprint towards, like, what Coco became with all of those lights. Oh, um, yeah. And how much work into each individual lantern group together in soft focus. I'm like, I can't handle how yeah. beautiful it is. Yeah. I well, mean, I think Disney's always building on, like, the things that they've already done, too. Oh, definitely. So they, like, figure it out, and they're like, oh, so now that we know how to do this, let's <laughs> let's take it here. Let's do this. Because even, like, I, I remember when I was, you know, super obsessed with Tangle, and I wanted to just get, like, every piece of information on it I possibly right. could. Um, they said that, you know, I see the light was the new, a whole new world. Uh-huh. And I, like, totally agreed. Um, just because of the way the song's written. And, yeah. like, the way they're singing it and um, the pattern in which, like, the order they sang mm-hmm. um, was kind of reversed, but uh, oof. <laughs> but it felt like okay, they, they knew a whole new world was really su- successful, so now they were going to build this, yeah, um, this new duet mm-hmm. in a new way, um, where there's like two people are experiencing something completely new, mm-hmm. and like they both know it, and they're talking about how they feel, like yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, there's something so kind of like. I don't know if chilling is the right word, but like chilling in a good way, mm-hmm. heartwarming, fuzzy, fuzzy feeling making about that scene. And I don't know if it's, if it goes back to like her childlike wander or wander, her wonder. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I had written down was the way this scene makes you feel is the same way you feel when like you see the castle with fireworks yeah. in Disney World or Disneyland. Yeah. Um, there is, and like, my mom had seen them a couple of years ago for the first time, like since she was a kid, and she still felt that same kind of wonder. Um, and I, I like I don't know what magic did they put in there <laughs> that makes you kind of revert back immediately yeah. to that kind it, of. It's very ethereal oh, for sure. So good. Um, but no, I think you really hit the nail on the head. It's that same feeling that you get when you know the first time you come back to Magic Kingdom and you're in you are on Main Street and you see the castle, like, it's that little bubble in your tummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, I think they captured it perfectly, and they just put it in a song. Yeah. Um, and, and they spent a whole scene like that. And I also think it's, like, the way they drew the eyes in the scene, too. Like, their eyes are, like, so large and, like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what it's actually called, but, like, their, like, their pupils, like, almost shake. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's how wide their eyes are yeah. opened. Um, no, but you can tell they're just really, like, taking in everything. And I think it's so funny because even though they're animated characters, like, you can, you still see what they're thinking. You know what I mean? And I think that's amazing that somebody made that. It's not, it's not a human. Yeah. Um, you know, humans, you can look at somebody's eyes and, you, you know, they express something. Mm-hmm. But you know, an animated character's eyes, for that to have the same effect right? is insane. No, absolutely. And I mean, just the songs on top of it. Like, there's something so really beautiful about the songs. I mean, even just her singing alone in her tower, there's something like so, I don't know, magical about, and I don't know if it's the chord progressions or something, but I was like getting chills through the whole movie. I was like, why does this do this to me? Yeah. Feeling. I also think, like, Mandy Moore's voice oh. in particular, like, <laughs> she has her own sound that's, mm-hmm. like, super specific to her. Um, and it's, like, has, like, this, like, breathy quality to it. 
Um, but like when she chooses to use like the, her power mm-hmm. too, um, how that changes and like how it changes during the song. And then when you add Zachary Levi's voice on top of it, <laughs> and his voice is like has that own like dashing kind of quality that is like still charming but not prince like yeah if that makes sense <laughs> he's more of like a rap scallion <laughs> yeah no definitely um and speaking of songs they're so sean he has this problem with tangled which i don't know i'm you probably know about it but there's the i have a dream song mm. he's like i just can't wrap my head around a bunch of thugs and you know thieves getting around saying I have a dream too and so it kind of breaks the moment for him Hmm. what do you what are your thoughts on that I think people vary I think the point of the thugs and specifically for the purpose of the movie is that Mother Gothel always warned um Rapunzel of the ruffians Mm -hmm. um and so on the outside they look really frightening but it's like when you take a second to get to know the person Mm -hmm. they're a real person and you know they might not be as scary as they appear Mm -hmm. which I think is like what the purpose of them in the movie like that's why they exist um you know don't judge a book by its cover that kind of thing um and I think the song serves as like a vehicle to you know express that each of them actually have things outside of what everybody else would assume they would want. Right. They have their own dreams, um, you know, ba- that are far different than what everybody would assume their dreams are. I mm-hmm. would ass- I'm sure everybody would assume their <laughs> dreams would be to, like, you know, have a ton of money or, you know, mm-hmm. have a big dungeon or, I don't know, <laughs> something that's, like, scary and, like... Well, like, all of Flynn Rider's dreams, which are, like, have my own island of bunch of money and just be able to do what I want but mm-hmm. no so I want to no and everybody was not into that dream they're like no you're is that your dream it's not that sucks uh, <laughs> your dream stinks so I was talking to her <laughs> go live your dream I will your dream stinks I was talking to her but I think it's I think it's you know a way to say that like there's all these people and you shouldn't judge them based on what they look like their dreams could be anything and it's up to you to say what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it doesn't take me out of the moment. Right. Because I think it's it's a learning moment for Rapunzel. She's initially scared of all of them and she mm-hmm. thinks they're going to hurt her, but they don't want to hurt her. No. You know? And they end up helping her. Right. You know, they end up being, you know, the other half of like the saviors for the movie because mm-hmm. they save Flynn Rider too. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, Sean's like, I'm fine with the whole movie. It's just when a bunch of burly guys start singing I Have a Dream, I'm like, hmm. And I understand why, for him, that makes sense. He's a very logical person. Yes. (laughs) I just think also by that standard, why is anybody singing? Why why does everybody know the words? (laughs) Why why are they in beautiful harmony? Right. You know what I mean? You have to, you know, suspend disbelief. Yeah. Either entirely or not at all. Exactly. You can't pick and choose which which times. What seems too far. (laughs) (laughs) because also the chameleon is talking (laughs) yes and i mean it's mm, anthropomorphic animals oh and max and max (laughs) i was just thinking because he clearly speaks to everybody Mm -hmm. in the movie like his captain flynn rapunzel pascal like literally everyone in the movie he he speaks to (laughs) without saying a word it's all facial I also think there's a lot of like and and I have no idea what they studied that like inspired Max but there's so much like clowning (laughs) that 
goes along with like everything he does. <laughs> like he like hides in the woods and then like his head is exposed. So he like pulls a tree with his teeth and now suddenly the, <laughs> the tree is like the top half of him. It literally just looks like a, like the outline of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> it's so insane and ridiculous. Yeah. But it, you want to, <laughs> you want to watch it. You're not mad at any of it. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, and like his spat with Flynn Rider, mm-hmm. the whole movie. <laughs> is hysterical because then they become besties. Yeah. Well, and it's, for Max, he, he almost has this kind of dog quality to him. Oh, yeah. Like Rapunzel scratches his, his, his whole tail <laughs> wags. It's like, I don't think that's how horses' tails work, but but you just accept it because that's yeah. who Max is. He also, like, clearly has an agenda. <laughs> like, and a strong sense of right and wrong, yes. which I think is hysterical. Yes. Like, he, <laughs> his initial goal is just to like bring in Flynn Rider Mm -hmm. slowly you know it starts to change and he only like kind of tolerates Flynn for (laughs) Rapunzel um but he has a strong sense of justice yeah which for an animal (laughs) is very funny yeah (laughs) um and just like he like uses his like uh nose to like sniff out like like a bloodhound right (laughs) (laughs) he literally like and for the beginning moments when we meet max he's basically a bloodhound the whole time he's Mm -hmm. like he starts out as a horse he's jumping over things like normal horses do and then once he loses his rider it's like i'm gonna sniff this guy out myself Mm -hmm. i'm I'm gonna gonna be such a good boy i'm gonna be (laughs) such a good boy (laughs) i'm gonna be the best boy i'm gonna find him i'm gonna bring him back and then i'm gonna get an apple yes (laughs) the apples disappeared overnight (laughs) so funny (laughs) it's just the writing is so smart yeah and I feel that way with most Disney movies especially like the new ones Mm. like you just have to appreciate like the small minute details Mm -hmm. um and just the way that things are written like they're written for a purpose nothing's ever by mistake right ever um and I I always appreciate that about mm-hmm. Disney too because they can make you feel you know all the things all the magical things in your tummy and they can make you feel like a kid again but they can also challenge your ideas on you know the world and yeah they also like clearly have an opinion yeah um and generally you know you know what they're trying to say mm-hmm. um and I think that's true for you know all Disney movies the ones you know within the past 15 years anyway yeah um I can't necessarily speak for my girl Snow White I don't know what they're trying to say <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely true. And I think especially now with society trying to be more conscious of mm-hmm. of our world and in terms of, you know, being green or being, you know, more open to talk about mental health and things like that. Because, like, Inside Out, for example, so great one. <laughs> I love that movie also. Yeah. I walked out of the theater screaming about how smart I thought the movie was. And it really is because, I mean, one, it's nothing but bright colors, which kids will love, mm-hmm. um, and and makes humans happy mm-hmm. because bright colors, for some reason, make our brains happy. Um, but then it also, you know, comes at you with a message of, like, it's okay to feel sad mm-hmm. and it's okay to have conflicted emotions about things um, and it's okay to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Which, Especially in a way that, like, f- feels very relatable. Like, yes. 
Riley moves to a a new city Mm -hmm. and goes to a new school and has to leave all her friends behind. Like, Mm -hmm. that's something that you're allowed to be sad about. And a lot of times I think the expectation is like, oh, but it's so exciting. And we try and, like, you know, turn the positive on and, you know, find the good things. But, you know, sometimes I think we definitely forget to acknowledge that, like, change can be scary. Yeah. Um, And it's okay to, like you know, be excited about all the new things and the new possibilities, but it's also okay to, you know, be upset about what you're leaving behind. Yeah. Um, Unless it's your manipulative uh, stepmother (laughs) who kidnapped you as a child. Yeah, no, we can let go of that one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Inside Out's a good one, too. It is. I just think Disney in the past 15 years has really changed, Mm -hmm. you know, who has agency in the stories and, um, what they're trying to say with the movies because it's I would challenge anybody to say you know anybody who thinks that it's they're all princess movies or they're like oh okay there's a damsel in distress guy Mm -hmm. go save her and you know yeah that's the movie there's some nice songs that's not what it is anymore right I we're so far removed from that and sometimes it might feel like the formula is the same there Mm -hmm. might be a love story um but often, like, they have their own goals and things that they want to achieve, and love just might happen. Right. Um, but that's not what the story center around. Because even for Tangled, I don't think that's what the story centered around. No. Um, and I think that is one of the ones that, you know, fits the mold of, oh, guy, girl, mm-hmm. love. <laughs> it all works out. Like, Well, and like you had said earlier, there's definitely a feeling of she didn't, you know, go out searching for love. She just wanted to go on this adventure to see these lights that she'd always been dreaming about. And the fact that when she does, they both have this moment of like, well, what's my new dream going to be? And it just so happens to be each other after going through this whole journey. Don't cry on me now. <laughs> when, she, when she says you were my new dream. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, listen, it really tears me up. <laughs> We have actual tears on the couch, guys. Uh, listen, I gotta tell you, it really doesn't take much. <laughs> Especially these days. <laughs> the waterworks come really easy. But no, that move, ugh, that yeah. moment really gets me. Because um, it is, it's the truth. Like, they both have, you know, things that they set out to do. And it's actually Rapunzel's idea. She's the one that, like, makes the deal. Yeah. She's like, if you take me to do this, then I'll give you your crown back. Right. Like, it's it's her idea. Power move. Um, yeah, it's it's her power move. Um, and then when they finally, you know, achieve the things that they want, he gets the crown, she sees the floating lights, you know, then it's the what next. Yeah. Um, and for them, it is love. But yeah. it's also, I think her what next, too, is, like, after, after she leaves the tower, she knows that, like, she has changed. Mm-hmm. And so going back will never actually be enough or right. okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that's something, too, where it's, like, you can see the growth from the beginning to, like, the middle. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, actually having to figure out, like, well, we can't go back because that won't work anymore. Right. I've come too far. Right. Um, it's very natural. It doesn't feel like a forced evolution of the characters. It seems very much on pace with the movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of you know, exciting things happening, you know, getting chased by guards, you know, singing with thugs. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, high-stakes things that happen in between when she leaves and when they get oh, to yeah. the castle. They almost drown. They almost drown. That gets <laughs> real, real. Yeah. <laughs> Very fast. For real. Um, And also the dread, mm. which is, for Disney, very real, that, mm-hmm. like, 
time's running out, they're, like, in this cave that's they're, like, literally blocked into with rocks. Yeah. And I can't see. Yeah. They, they can't see. It's dark. Yeah. <laughs> they have seconds of air left. Yeah. I've also, here's how crazy I am. I've tried to hold my breath for as long as they have. <laughs> as long as they had to hold their breath right. to, like, swim out. And I was like, oh, I'd be dead. No. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, man. I do that all the time, like, when there's underwater. Like, I, so I'm a huge fan of Atlantis. Oh. I love that movie so much. There are many times, there's that whole scene where um, Milo and Kida are underwater and they're trying to figure out, like, what do these ruins say? Because Milo can read. Um, Atlantean, <laughs> I should clarify. <laughs> um, but, like, I every time they go under, I'm like, <gasps> mm-hmm. can I make it? No, Will I, I really try. <laughs> I literally was blue in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's that scene uh, right after they're getting drowned, that like they bust through the rocks, mm-hmm. and my heart always catches because I see those rocks and I'm like, they gotta be dead. Like yeah. those rocks fall yeah. real hard, and there's water rushing at the same time. So like, there's not a lot of like being able to like stop and protect yourself in that moment. No, well, and also like, can she swim? Yeah, because <laughs> I would assume no. <laughs> You would think, right? Like, <laughs> and, like, not that, like, where they are looks particularly deep. Right. But, like, that's a pretty high-stakes situation yeah. to, like, this is probably your first body of water that you've been in. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's a current, obviously, and there's a yeah. huge rush of water where you can't really control where you're going. Yeah, lots of pressure. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they have <laughs> they have that nice moment when they're drying off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And he says he's Eugene Fitzherbert. That's yes. his real name. But I also love that, too, because, the, like, that's the growth for him mm-hmm. also. That, like, he's like, no, Fleming Rider's not my real name. Right. <laughs> I did it because of this. You yeah. know what I mean? Because he was um, an orphan and it sounded like a better life. Which I also think it's, like, you suddenly see his perspective and it's easier to, you know, root for him, too. Yeah. And you see how he got to be where he is also. And then I think that's actually the real start of their journey as partners. Because mm-hmm. before that, they're both using each other for something. Right. Um, and I think that's the first time that they've actually connected and they're on a team. Yeah. Rather than, like, two people just, like, using each other to get what they need. Yeah. Well, and the the tension shift between we're going to die and I, w- I want someone, at least somebody, to know my real name to, okay, now the secret's out. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to have to tell you now. (laughs) Especially after he admits, like, oh, I don't do backstory because he's still in that, like, I don't want to tell anybody that I'm just an orphan kid whose name is Eugene. Yeah. I also think, like, she is so open to, Mm -hmm. like, learning about him. Like, she's so cute. She, like, scoots over to him and she's, like, ready to hear the story. She, like, puts her chin on her hands. Um, I would imagine she was just easy to open up to also, like, Mm. and... They almost died together, so yeah. I'm sure it's game a, changer a connection that's very easy <laughs> to make. But yeah, no, he when he makes the choice to like be vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you see a lot of where you know the simmers of their relationship start. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, I mean, if you're the kind of person who can make you know 25 burly thieves talk about their dreams like you've got a special power there and it's more than just hair oh yeah (laughs) well and I think that's the thing that's so refreshing about Rapunzel too is that she like is unfathomably kind um and she's ready to take in whatever anybody needs like so if somebody needs to tell her something like she's ready to listen and and she'll just listen Mm -hmm. um and then like she'll offer her own, you know, where she's come from, which she will readily admit is, like, 
very sheltered. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's ready to, like, you know, relate. Um, but she just wants to, you know, help people. Yeah. She's so kind. She really is. Um, and I think that's something that people trivialize. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, kindness isn't worth anything. But it is. It's worth so much. Mm-hmm. It costs nothing to be kind. Especially in this day and age. Uh-huh. I mean. It costs nothing. Yeah. Um, and life's just a little easier when you are. Um, and I think when people trivialize, like, kindness, then, you know, that's why people, it's so easy to be bitter nowadays about mm. everything. If you find things to, um, you know, the positives, which can be very hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but if you find them, you know, it makes life a little easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is, like, another reason I love Disney so much is, like, while it is very easy to, like, trivialize and say, like, you know this isn't for you, right? It's for kids. Mm-hmm. It, no, it, you know, reminds you of, like, the things that are important mm-hmm. and, you know, things that are valued and um, what happens when you are kind to people um, and all the good that can happen when you help others. Yeah. Like, things that actually matter in life. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a big... Um I like to say on a daily basis, like, it's the little things in life that really get you through it. Because, like, I mean, I think we've all had those moments where, like, we're having a tough time. Like, the job isn't calling you back. You know, boyfriend troubles. Like, whatever it is. But then it's like, I got to go to Staples today and buy, like, some great pens or a notebook. Or, you know, someone at Wawa bought my milk for me. Like, Mm -hmm. it's those little tiny things that I think is... One is so hard to find in in today's world, which is such a shame, and that are just so much more important because of the way our society is kind of going towards, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, I think it's so much easier to focus on like small, small things that make you happy Mm -hmm. um, because they're easier to find than like these big picture ideas that like, you know, what you think your happiness is supposed to be. Yeah. Um. I would so much rather, you know, run to Target for a pick-me-up than, like, (laughs) sit on my couch and contemplate where my life is going, (laughs) which sounds so sad. But you know what I mean? Like, um, if you think about the state of the world, it's so easy to feel small Mm -hmm. and helpless. If you think about, you know, all the little ways that you can influence change or, you know, help other people, um, you know, then it's easier to feel like you're doing something, like feel like you're doing your part. Yeah. Um, I have, and this is so silly, but I tried to um, uh, start using, like cutting out plastic, mm-hmm. like and reusable straws. Right. And I like <laughs> got new deodorant that has no aluminum in it. Oh. You know, it's supposed to be good for the environment. Good for the environment. Yeah. Um, and I know there's like small, minute little things, but in my own way, <laughs> I do feel that on some level, like I've made the, I'm making an effort and I'm trying to affect change in small ways. And that's, I mean, those are so minute and teeny, teeny little things, mm-hmm. but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think a lot of people say that like, yes, it's one person, you know, affecting change in, in their own circle, in their own lives. But if everyone were doing that, we our planet would be in such better condition. Oh, yeah. Even if we all just did a little bit. I mean, no, we don't need the whole world to stop using plastic. Yeah. I mean, we do, but <laughs> <laughs> we do, but it doesn't have to be like overnight. We all decide we're going to live waste-free, all that other stuff. It just has to be a little bit out of time. Yeah. It's... It's crazy. I also think, like, 
the phrase kindness costs nothing is so true. And mm. I think that a lot of people are willing to be kind, but it has to be on their terms. Oh, so true. And I also think that's why, you know, that's part of the reason why we're in the world we're in right now is everybody's like, yeah, I'll be nice to you only if right. you're a person like me or you mm-hmm. fit my mold or, you know, you're the kind of person I want to be friends with. Sure. Then I'll be, or do you have something I want? Right. Rather than like just being, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's also so easy to just feel overwhelmed and like helpless and yeah. a little doomed. Um, and I've had that feeling of like, it feels like somebody's sitting on my chest, mm-hmm. you know, when I think, when I actually sit and think about like the stuff that's happening. Um, and it's hard to shake, you know, shake it off and, you know, try and make it better. So you have to, for me at least, like finding the small things and finding things that like I know really make me happy. Um, that's how I, you know, get through it. And then, you know, when I'm happy, I can also, you know, do my part to do that to others. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that's why Disney's, you know, why people are so split on it. It's either, like, it's the best thing and it makes you feel feel the feels and, you know, right. bring you back to your youth and, it, you know, all the good things. But then also people are like, it's for kids. It's trivial. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an empire of, you know, commercialism <laughs> and you know, which I mean, let's capitalism. not let's not lie. It is it is also a a huge thing of capitalism and oh, at its finest. <laughs> oh, absolutely, but that doesn't negate the fact that it is also trying to sp- spread a message of kindness and just mm-hmm. being nice to people. I mean, one of the biggest moral codes of conduct in Disney's parks is just being kind, being mm-hmm. friendly and approachable to guests in the park. I yeah. mean, and don't you just feel better? When a nice person comes up and is like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. You need to find the bathroom? It's right over there. I'll walk you to it. Like, yeah. And it's not because they want anything. No. Like, they're, they're not getting commissioned because, you know, they're right. pointing you to a bathroom. <laughs> like, they're just trying to help you out. Exactly. Um, they're there to make sure that you have a good time mm-hmm. and that you have good memories. Um, so I, as much as, like, they are this, like, huge monopoly, mm-hmm. like, is it the worst thing? Yeah. You know, they could be spreading hate and, you know, mm-hmm. they could be, um, you know, not influencing the kind of change that they are. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it could be a lot worse. I feel like if I'm going to be yeah. mad about something, Disney's not what I'm going to be mad right. about. I have a lot of other fish to fry <laughs> <laughs> and bones to pick. <laughs> Disney's not going to be the thing that I'm right. going to gripe about. That's not the hill you die on. No, it, it, I think that's really true because... I also think, and this might be a little touchy, but in, like, today's world, we complain about a lot of things, and, like, there's always something to be upset about and angry about, and I think it's definitely true, like, we're justified in those feelings, like, the world's a screwed up place, Mm -hmm. especially right now, but if we pick apart everything, you know, and try and make everything, like, ultimately perfect and good, like, that's not a, a, a task that is accomplishable mm-hmm. like realistic yeah you you can't so pick the things that matter to you mm-hmm. go fight those battles right you have to let some things go exactly yeah i also acknowledge that i am a straight white woman so, <laughs> <laughs> so just putting it out there we're both you know white women and we do have a certain amount of privileges but i i mean that doesn't negate the fact that we have opinions either oh yeah I'm just acknowledging that. <laughs> For 
all the listeners out there. <laughs> there are <laughs> asterisk. There are a lot of fights that I haven't had to fight, and I acknowledge that. And <laughs> I also think it's funny that she's barefoot the whole movie. Literally, I was thinking about that when I was watching it last night. I was like, never once those, in this movie does she say, could I get a pair of shoes? Nope, those dogs are out. They are barking. <laughs> How callous must they be? I mean, being in a tower for 18 years, you'd think. I feel like she would have gotten some splinters. Yeah. I also don't know why Mother Gothel didn't give her some shoes. Yeah. Mother Gothel had shoes. She did. Really stylish shoes, if, yeah. if I'm being real. Like, then Mother Gothel's, her hair. Oh, so pretty. It's gorgeous. Her dress. <laughs> I know she's bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> but she's just so stylish. She really is. Yeah. Also, I. I don't think I talked about this enough. I love Rapunzel's, like, actual parents so much. They mm. say nothing. Nothing. The whole movie. I think there's, like, a gasp and a chuckle that they do, like, at the end. <laughs> yeah, the no, the king lets out, like, this little chuckle, and he <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of my father. <laughs> oh, I could see that. So much. Because, <laughs> um, oh, my God. Which I also think, like, to Disney's credit is they have no lines. They say nothing, and mm-hmm. you feel so much for them. Um, and you know instantly, like, what kind of people they are, and probably, by extension, what kind of rulers they are, Mm -hmm. um, and how much they love their daughter. And they don't need words. No. And, but they don't have human faces. They're, (laughs) they're animated. (laughs) I just, I think it's amazing. Let me ask you a question. Is it the mustache that makes him think (laughs) of your, your father has the most fabulous handlebar mustache around. He does. does. Pretty great. (laughs) Um. Kind of, yeah. It, it's the little chuckle, um, honestly, that, like, belly, like, <laughs> chuckle, which if you, if anybody has ever heard my father laugh, he has this insanely charming, like, infectious Yeah, he does. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that is, like, not quite Santa, but it's pretty booming, and mm-hmm. it, like, comes deep in his chest. <laughs> <laughs> and just when I hear, like, the small chuckle the king makes, I'm like, oh, dad. <laughs> I know this is a dialogue online. Do you like Rapunzel more with her long golden hair or her short, perfectly layered, glass-cut hair? I think, (laughs) selfishly, because I am, in fact, a brunette. (laughs) (laughs) A little more short. I also, like, um, I forget where I heard this story. I I think I read it online somewhere that, like, a little girl was watching uh, tangled in a movie theater and um, when she cut her hair she would like cried because um, she was like she's not pretty anymore <gasps> and that bothered me oh no <laughs> um, I also think like it's it makes her imperfect in a way like her long golden hair is like you know um, so fundamental to who she is mm-hmm. for so long and then when it's gone mm-hmm. you still have all the wonderful things that like make her Rapunzel yeah. her hair's just short <laughs> Um, and it, yeah, it is. It's like wildly, but perfectly like chopped. Yeah. <laughs> it's Eugene like this beautiful, Fitzherbert. like little pixie-ish cut. Like she's like a little fairy. Yeah. She's so cute. So cute. No, I, I really think it's short, but I also, <laughs> as I speak, have a short brown bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's something like, so when she heals Eugene and he comes, he comes back to life. I know. Don't start crying. <laughs> <laughs> After, like, he wakes up and they kiss, he puts his hand in her hair, like, towards the nape of her neck. Um, mm-hmm. Very princely. Um, but I, so when I did a, a pixie cut for the first time and had, like, zero hair, Sean had kissed me and he did that. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, too, am a princess. I, too, am a princess. 
Yeah, well, I also think that's, like, people wanted her for her hair. Yeah. Mother Gothel wanted her for her hair. Eugene never wanted any of that. He mm. just loved her. Yeah. And I think her with the short hair is, like, you know, the perfect way to prove that is, like, he still thought she was beautiful and mm-hmm. magical and wonderful. Like, he never cared about her hair. Yeah. He just loved her. So good. Oh, you were my new dream. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay has a lot of feelings about that. I just, listen, I am, I will happily admit that I am a big old sap. (laughs) It doesn't take much to make me cry. Right. It really, a strong wind. (laughs) There's a couple tears, like, strong gust of wind and I'm crying. Right. But, I don't know, they're just, I think it's because, like, dreams are such, like, a huge theme of the movie. And Mm. then when they both accomplish what they think their dreams are, it's actually each other. And I think that's so sweet because that's not that's not what either of them set out for. And in fact, they didn't like each other to begin with. They right. were not friends. So the personal growth is so much. <laughs> well, and I think on like a realistic level, I think a lot of people, or at least what I'm experiencing in, in our generation, is a lot of people have um, the conflict of like following your dreams and making sure that you can pay your rent. Mm-hmm. And so in a movie, <laughs> in a movie that is... Um, well, one, Rapunzel doesn't have to worry about paying rent. So, like, she can literally just follow her dreams. I think it's so satisfying that at the end, not only does she see the lanterns, but she also finds someone who becomes her new dream, mm-hmm. which I think is so satisfying for us who are like, someday I can do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's also scary to, like, think about, like, okay, when you get everything you want, then what happens? Because mm. there's going to be something after, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think everybody has this idea of like, oh, if I just had this or like if I just had a million dollars, like right. then, then I'd be happier. Then I could do this. And it's like, well, if that were to happen, like then what? Right. Because it doesn't stop. <laughs> you don't just like there is no happily ever after and you just, you know, live your life and spend a bunch of money. Like there has to be something. Yeah. It's going to get old real fast if you just, you know. Living a life of leisure. Yeah. Um, So you still have to want something. So Mm -hmm. then I think that's even more, you know, telling. Mm -hmm. Because then you have to figure out, what do you actually want? Yeah. Now you have everything that you said you wanted. So what what is it actually? Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Deep. Well, and a lot of times I think, like, actually, if you can identify what that thing would be after, then actually try and find that thing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, dreams change. Yeah. And, uh... You know, sometimes they grow, sometimes they um, multiply into other things. Mm-hmm. But if you f- can figure out what makes you happy in the first place and then continue to pursue whatever it is that you think you want. Right. Like, if you can manage to d- figure out the thing that actually will get you through your day while you're, you know, mm-hmm. pursuing your goals, um, I think it gets a lot easier. Well, and also, like, how lucky you are to be able to figure that out when I think so many people have the problem of, like, I think I want this, but they're not really sure or they haven't really figured it out yet because, I mean, we're all still, I mean, even at, you know, 26, I'm still growing, I'm still learning, I'm still, you know, figuring out who I am as a person, even though I'm quote unquote an adult. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think in, like you said, in that growing, our dreams, you know, change and they morph and, you know, they become, you know, different versions of things and that's okay yeah well I and I think that's part of it too is like acknowledging that like 
it's okay if they change yeah. or it's okay if it's not what you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and I think that's even something that's like super present even when you start to go to college. Mm. Cause I think it's wild at like 18, you have to make <laughs> a decision that affects the rest of your life. That's how I got my theater degree. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so crazy. I had a teacher once that was like, I think it's unfair that at the age of 18, you're expected to make possibly one of the largest decisions of your whole life and the biggest will, financial decision right, of your and, whole life and that will affect how you live the rest of your life he's mm-hmm. like I think it's unfair um and then he you know was like so you know if you feel overwhelmed or stressed or whatever he was like I'm there for you guys because he was like I think this is a really tough time and I think it's really confusing and it's a lot to put on an 18 year old yeah who like by today's standards like uh, we have and I think it's actually called something now, like the extended childhood. Mm-hmm. Like now you're technically, I mean, even though you become an adult at 18, you can right. be like 21. Um, you're really still kind of living as a kid until really your late 20s. Yeah. Like most of us. Like, yeah. I mean, we're our parents' generation, you know, by 20 through 25, they were married, had babies, <sighs> all the things. I'm 24. I can't imagine right? having a baby. <laughs> I cannot. Like that. And, you know, Bill's parents, they had, I think, him and Joe by his younger brother by uh, 25, I think. They had two boys. I can't. I can't fathom that. I So Sean's mom had him by 20, 20, 21, something like that. Um, and so, like, when Sean turned, like, 22, 23, she was like, yes, he didn't have a child. And I'm like, I can't even imagine having a child. No, it's, it's the way the world has, like, drastically shifted. <sighs> <laughs> is insane. But I, I also think, like, because it's drastically shifted, we need to make some changes to, mm-hmm. you know, the way our society functions. Like, you can you can be 21 and or 18 and you're an adult, but actually, like, I can't name any 18-year-old that doesn't live with their parents. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that used to be like, oh, 18, goodbye, pay your own yeah. bills. Like, and also, like, you didn't have to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I think actually now we're starting to fall back into like, you know, people are going to trade schools or whatever because mm-hmm. like college is so outrageously expensive. And yeah. if you know that, you know, there's a, dro- a job that you want or a field you're interested in that doesn't actually require college, like don't go yeah, <laughs> because it's, you know, ridiculously expensive. But, you know, when we were, you know, when I was in high school, college was a mandatory thing. Yeah. It was not a discussion. Yeah. yeah I was going. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you're made to feel that way. And, you know, any job that I've ever applied for, you know, you need minimum. Yeah. A bachelor's degree. And and yeah. then now, a lot of them is like, actually, you need, you know, four years of experience in your field, a bachelor's. And we'd prefer that you have a master's degree. <sighs> and it's like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's really hard. And I, I mean, I don't mean this to make this a rant on, like, <laughs> society. But, like, boy, oh, boy, it's hard to break into anything. Oh, like, my gosh. And forget about, you know, you know, trying to do the, the things that people think are simple or, like, that are just givens, like mm-hmm. buying a house or getting an apartment and, um, you know, making a life together. Like, things that, like, people think are very simple mm-hmm. and should be very simple. Like, they're the givens that everybody, you know, thinks at one time they will have. Mm-hmm. And then actually getting to that point, and it's like, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So hard. Like, I, I honestly, when when Sean and I moved in together about three years ago, two years, uh, four years ago, um, I, I would not have been able to do it 
without having a roommate or without having him in some capacity. And I mean, I think that's very reflective of like where we're at as a general, as a generation. Like my parents got married at 22. When I was 22, I was like, I just moved back home. I had to go back to school because I needed a degree in something different than theater (laughs) uh, in order to do any of the things that I wanted to do. So like, I mean, how do you, yeah. How do you survive? <laughs> if I didn't, and also, like, I'm so fortunate, and my parents have helped me so much, and they've, you know, really tried to set me up for success in any way they can. So I haven't had to, you know, really suffer any hardships. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I moved back in with my parents when I graduated college, been there ever since. Right. <laughs> it's only been a couple years. <laughs> Don't judge me, <laughs> people. Um, but, you know, making sure my loans were paid or like just things that are very hard. Like I haven't really had to worry about because my parents have had my back. Yeah. But if I hadn't had that help, mm. I don't know what I would be doing. I right. wouldn't be in the field I'm in. Right. I literally don't think I could be in the field I'm in if I didn't have help. Um, because it's so hard to break, break into any mm-hmm. field at this point, really. Because, <laughs> you know, I do remember a bunch of people saying, oh, gonna go into acting good luck (laughs) and like okay whatever yeah I know but also like any field yeah like nobody's having an easy time getting a job Mm -mm. nobody no because there's such a everybody's gone to college everybody's you know credentials are essentially the same yeah we all have bachelor degrees yeah and a ton of debt yeah and really the only way I feel like at this point you can kind of get in is if you intern for free or mm-hmm. you do part-time work. And it's like, I would love to do that, but I also have to eat this week. Mm-hmm. So could we not? <laughs> yeah. They want you to work for free. Yeah. and But it's also like the mentality of our parents that are like, well, why don't you just like, you know, knock on a door, ask for a job? Yeah. Or why don't you, did you call? Right. Have you heard back? Did you, you drive call. to the company and talk to the CEO personally? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. No. That's, no. That's not how it works anymore. Yeah. And I think since we're so far removed, even from in the past, you know, 25 years, like things have changed so drastically. Mm-hmm. Like I think... You know, it's really hard. Yeah. And I even said to my parents, like, in my, you know, I'm only in my early 20s, but even things like filing my taxes and, you know, trying to buy a home and what is a mortgage? Mm-hmm. I really had to ask my dad. I was like, I don't actually know what you mean when you say I need to pay my mortgage. I don't, <laughs> I need you to explain it to me. And it's the truth. Nobody has. And I was like, I feel like the expectation is I should just know what this is. Right. I should just know how to pay my taxes. I should just know, you know, it should just fall into my lap and I should understand it. And I was like, but the reality is actually like, I don't know any of this. Yeah. It's, it has never been taught to me. I, I, I don't know what any of this means. Yeah. Um, and they don't teach it. No. Like, they should teach it in, like, high schools or colleges. Like, okay, you're getting into the real world soon. Here's how to do your taxes. Here's how to do your mortgage. Here's how to, you know, sew the hem of your dress because it ripped. Like, mm-hmm. like kind of the basic things that you need. Um, I mean, not daily, but just to know. Just to be a functioning adult. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have to ask for help. Yeah. Every five seconds. Or not like, have to go to the tailors. <laughs> yeah. Because even, like... I said to my dad, I was like, I, cause I'm, um, uh, independent contractor for most of my jobs. Mm-hmm. So my taxes aren't taken out. Right. Usually I file my taxes at the end of the year and mm-hmm. then I have to pay essentially all the taxes that were not taken out of my right. initial pay. So really as I 
you know, work throughout the year, I have to set aside money mm-hmm. out of each paycheck so I can pay what the taxes would be, um, which is very daunting. Oh, I bet. <laughs> um, but even like that, I didn't understand. I was like, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to, like what percentage I'm supposed to save. Like, mm-hmm. I also, like, I work on a lot of, I, most of my jobs are stipends. Yeah. Um, which means, like, you, the stipends aren't far between, and generally, when you complete your job. <laughs> so I could rehearse for a show for a month, and then the show runs another month, month and a half, and at the end of those two and a half, three months is when you get your paycheck. Yeah. But what are you doing in those three months? You right. I mean? Not it's ideal. Still got to make money. <laughs> um, or, you know have money set aside so you can live those three months until you get the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Freelance, man. It's a lot of, a lot of little jobs to make a life. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And it's, I mean, and, and just finding a client base that will, you know, come back to you for, oh, she did a great job. I want to hire her back for this show is so difficult to like get people on board for that bus. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Well, and also, I mean, there's the whole, I could talk for hours about union, non-union, <laughs> you know, uh, all that stuff. But it, it's like there are a hundred me's in South Jersey <laughs> and in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. a hundred that are five two and brunette <laughs> <laughs> and have all the skills I do. Right? You know what I mean? So why me? Mm-hmm. Why pick me? Your sparkling personality. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but like that's the trick, like having to stand out and say, "Well, this is why it should be me." Yeah, um, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to be good at a lot of things. Yeah, so you can you have to be multifaceted. So well, can... tenacious, following up. Oh yeah, getting in your face. I want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what our completely our job is. Actually, <laughs> is really just not being afraid to say hello. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like this thing. Yeah please. Yeah. I'm good. (laughs) You sure? (laughs) And then having them say, okay, you've called me 20 times in the last three days. Please take the job. Please stop calling me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's definitely not what my parents, you know, I guess thought where we'd be now. Mm. Not even just like in my profession. I just don't think they were anticipating like what jobs are like now right. or what it is to get a job and move out. Like, no, absolutely. It's having a kid isn't like an 18 year commitment and then they, they leave your house. Right. <laughs> That's not what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, so like even, you know, recently I've had, I've had to like start applying for more jobs yeah. and I got two phone interviews, one for like a production company, which would be the goal. And it's like administrative assistant work, but like, but, but that's you're fun. there, but I'm there. Um, and the other one is like medical billing at an insurance company, which I have all the skills for, but sounds like it will crush my soul. And you have to, and I was sitting down talking with my parents and I'm like, I have to make the decision of, do I take the medical billing job that's safe and that I know what the benefits are? Mm-hmm. Or do I take the job that would actually be closer to like what my dream for the yeah. future would be? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people in our generation are facing. Yeah. <sighs> I This morning, so I had an interview at a high school mm-hmm. for a long-term uh, sub-job for theater. Mm-hmm. Um, now, half of what I already do anyway is, like, teach and, right. or work in children's theater. So it's something that I have lots of experience doing, mm-hmm. but I have never seen myself working in a school and getting up every day right. to, like, teach that's not the dream. Right. But, like, will it pay the bills? Mm-hmm. Will I make 
significantly amount more money that, you know, for all the things that I'm saving for, like right. a wedding and a house, <laughs> like all the things we want. Right. Um, will that help? You bet. <laughs> but is it, but the, the other side of the coin is, you know, uh, you won't really be auditioning for six months. Mm-hmm. You can only take shows that rehearse at night. Right. Um, it, it's, it's a change. Yeah. The way I'm trying to see it is, you know, it is six months of my life. Yeah. So if you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. This yeah. isn't your job. Also, you have to get, you have to get the job first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too. Don't yeah. assume you're just going to get it. <laughs> But if I were to get it, like, it's six months of my life. If we hate it, we never have to do it again, and we just yeah. made some money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, affected change in some kids, and yeah, there are worse things for sure. And the flip side is, if best case scenario, you love it. And yeah. you're like, wow, this is what I should have been done, doing all along. Like, this is my calling. Right. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but the choice of, like, this isn't the dream, but it will pay my bills and it's close. Yeah. Is also, like... Good. factor because <laughs> yeah. um, you know paying your bills and you know the things that you're doing in between acting because very few people even people on Broadway they're not actors all the time they're mm-hmm. coaching or they're catering right or you know what I mean yeah. like it's nobody Ellen Stardust baby yeah. you gotta you gotta be good at a lot of stuff mm-hmm. so it's like taking the things that'll fulfill you mm-hmm. and also pay your bills yeah that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Aren't we all? Yeah. Because at one, I have said, I've said this to Bill before and my parents. I was like, I feel so fulfilled in the summer, mm-hmm. even though like it's so grueling. I work at a summer camp. Uh, that's a theater camp for uh, sixth graders through uh, 12th graders. Um, and it's seven weeks, three shows, actually four shows because we do one show all together, a mm-hmm. huge show at the end. Um, but it's pretty rigorous. And yeah. the show, each show runs about a week. Um and depending on what show you are, you have roughly like three to five weeks to rehearse your show. Um, and it's nine to three every mm-hmm. day. Um, and your casts are normally made up of 70 kids. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's like hundreds of kids there, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, normally we have like 200 something, 250 a summer. It's a lot of kids. Like it's a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that have different needs and different learning styles. And mm-hmm. um, some of them ha- are kids that typically at school have one-on-ones, but... Not at summer camp, no. Um, and you normally have a staff of four or five Jeez. people to help you. It's grueling mm-hmm. if you don't love it. Mm-hmm. But if you love it, oh, my God, it's the most fulfilling thing ever. Because the moment that they get it or they, you know, you see somebody who, like, you know, is clear at the beginning of the summer, they're only here because their mom signed them up for camp right. <laughs> and have no interest in theater. And the second they find something they enjoy, mm-hmm. um, or the kid that, you know, has been struggling with a dance step and they get it, like the little things, um, it's, it's the best feeling. Um, and, and you know, you affect change in people. And I have kids that like, um, have like, you know, confided in me and like, they look at me as like a role model and a mentor. Um, and you know, I've written, like, letters of recommendation for kids for, like, National Honor Society and things like that. Aww. And to know that they, they value my opinion and, right. like, my recommendation in that kind of way. Like, you know, you left a positive right. influence on them. And, like, that is worth so much to me. Yeah. Um, so trying to find the things, like, within my field that, like, actually make me feel fulfilled yeah. and, like, I'm causing change, that's worth it all. For sure. Nice. So... <laughs> <laughs> the little things in life yeah. keeping you through but we're still here trying to make a life <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show 
Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Thank you. Please come back anytime. I could do this all day. <laughs> anytime you want. Um, the couch is always here. Snuggling is optional. Yeah, I love it. Um, We're here for it. <laughs> uh, so again, this is my friend, Lindsay. Uh, we're talking about Tangled. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your your crazy hectic <laughs> schedule to come and sit down with me oh, for, anytime. for a little while. I loved it. <laughs> here for it again let me know what you want to talk about next time <laughs> uh is there anything that you want to plug oh baby your instagram, instagram your twitter oh well wow <laughs> i guess follow me on instagram at lindsay dlx <laughs> which as i say it out loud i'm embarrassed of the handle and i want to change it. <laughs> but i'm coming at you with some funky fresh content man <laughs> No, I guess um, uh, I work at Main State Center for the Arts. Um, so if you have any kids that are interested in uh, pursuing theater in South Jersey, uh, come find me. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> Here to make dreams come true. <laughs> dreams come true. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Thank you for coming in. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks. See you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Another huge thanks to Lindsay Deal for coming on the show and just having an overall amazing conversation about Disney, kindness, and everything else we just went over. Since the recording of this episode back in November of 2019, Lindsay and her boyfriend Bill, who she mentions in the episode, have since gotten engaged. So a big congratulations to them. I look forward to seeing your Tangled-inspired lanterns at your own wedding. If you liked this episode, don't forget to go back and listen to episode one and two, and also rate, review, and subscribe the show, because it helps us out a lot. Additionally, you can also follow us on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast, and also on TikTok at scopophilia the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia, and I'll see you all next Friday. Bye!